0: Hey, Rockheads, this is Music to Code by Track 12. Check this out. Oh yeah, just what you need to get in the zone when you write code. And get this, we just added a site license. Download it once, share it with everybody in your office. Check it out at musictocodeby.net.
1: Net Rocks, episode 1316, with guest Jennifer Marsman, recorded Wednesday, June 8th, 2016.
0: Hey 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 it's Dotnet Rocks this is Carl Franklin and this is Richard Campbell reporting from the fish bowl on the floor of NDC 2016 Oslo Norway I can kind of talk Kind of talk. You're making your way. Making my way. I'll do fine. One of the cool things of this event is there's food all the time. That's true. <laughs> and, you know, it's great for a guy like me on a ketogenic diet because I'm fasting. Yeah, are just not eating anything. I'm just
1: not eating anything. There you go. Makes it easy. Makes it real easy to travel. Well, it's, and I realize because we're not in a hotel. I mean, a stadium, essentially. Yeah, right. A uh, concert hall type thing that's been broken up into different rooms. And so we're down on the floor. And We've they, done this for a few years. Eight. Eight years. Eight the years. The first one was 2008, man. Wow. I wasn't in this venue either. Wow. It was a long time ago.
0: Yeah. But we love it here. Uh, it's a great conference. I have a lot of fun doing it. It's a, if you're in Europe, you should come. Yeah. All right. Let's roll the music for Better Know Framework. Awesome. All right, dude. What do you got? Well, and that's the next guy, Steve Strong. A friend yes. Of ours. You know him well. He showed me this uh, on GitHub. And this is show number 1316, so the URL is 1316.pwop.me. And this is a list of free programming books. Wow. And it's on GitHub, and I think there's about 2,000 of them. Holy man. My first question was, is my book, is book on this
1: list? <laughs> <laughs> because your book was not intended to <laughs> be if free. It was not
0: intended to be free, Has somebody stolen it, and therefore, are any of these books not legit? Turns out, No, they're all supposedly legit. Okay. But there's so many categories. I mean, just about every language you can think of and every kind of technology book that you want
1: that's amazing the list is huge
0: there's even mathematics books and then there's a whole bunch in the miscellaneous category as well
1: there's a section on free podcasts too and guess what in the language agnostic category dot net rocks how cool is that yeah that's pretty cool quite a collection dude and in a lot of languages too yeah. if you like programming books in azerbaijan they've got that all right that's a neat find yeah i love thanks,
0: it thanks steve and uh maybe we'll send you another mug
1: yeah why not he
0: probably doesn't have enough mugs <laughs> <laughs> Who's talking to us, my friend?
1: I uh, haven't done a show with Jennifer in the past, so uh, couldn't go back on that. But I uh, did grab a comment off of show 1020, and that was Machine Learning in the Cloud with Seth Juarez. Right. Now a Microsoft employee, wasn't at the time. Back in August of 2014, we were talking about Machine Learning in the Cloud if you can yep. believe it. And Terry Burns Dyson said, I remember watching a DNR TV episode with Seth yes. in 2011. Yeah. That's way back. It's still online. And I found it fascinating to think about the possibilities back then. Of course, it was Seth, always so talking about machine learning right. in his mathematical way. Well,
0: and it was his library he was showing. Yeah. Yeah,
1: and we did a whole show on it. I've recently started a new job where there is a lot of data to digest, and this episode really got my wheels turning on the possibilities of using such techniques to be smarter about the data. Mm -hmm. I have downloaded Seth's NUMA library, and getting it up and running made me feel smarter. Mm -hmm. Yes, if you can make Seth's stuff work, you are smarter. There's no two ways about it. That guy is a very smart cookie. I would really like to see some more demos on this stuff, maybe a Plural Site course, because I would love to know more. And perhaps you can resurrect DNR TV or give Plural Site some hints on how to create those types of shows. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, Plural Site kind of took over that whole video space.
0: Yeah, it did. And I found that it was hard to keep doing them because people were doing Plural Site videos. Yeah. And I don't, I don't know if they expected to get paid or anything like that, but it was more about people not being prepared and scheduling, and I was constantly rescheduling people. They're hard and, to do. They're yeah, hard work to make hard. those videos, yeah.
1: walk through those things. But it was a very compelling format, too. Yeah, it was pretty good. I remember that one you did with Hanselman. Mm-hmm. Where it actually went off the rails because there was some bug. Oh, it was and great. You, and, and he you, fixed it. And that ended up being the show. That ended right? up being the Just show. Just that conversation, that whole how does Scott Hansman diagnose a problem and fix it? Yeah. And that's good stuff. Very interesting.
0: And it's still there, dnrtv.com. For sure. But on the machine learning side,
1: of course, things are still evolving. That's what we're going to talk about today. So, Terry, thank you so much for your comment. Admittedly, it was two years ago. So, surprise. A A.NET Rocks mug is on its way to you. And if you'd like a a.NET Rocks mug, write a comment on the website at .NET Rocks.com or via any of our social media because we publish every show to Google Plus and Facebook. And if you comment there and we read it on the show, we'll send you
0: a mug. And definitely follow us on Twitter. He's at Rich Campbell. I'm at Carl Franklin. And send us a tweet. We uh, throw him in our database of statistical analysis. Nice. No, I don't know. I don't know. We'll hadoop it. We'll hadoop him. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let me introduce Jennifer Marsman. She's a principal developer evangelist in Microsoft's developer and platform evangelism group, where she educates developers on Microsoft's new technologies. In this role, she's a frequent speaker at software development conferences around the world. In 2016, Jennifer was recognized as one of the top 100 most influential individuals in artificial intelligence and machine learning by Analytica. She has been featured in Bloomberg for her work using EEG and machine learning to perform lie detection. Jennifer has many more awards and accolades, and you can read all about that at her blog, blogs.msdn.com. And she also tweets at Jennifer Marsman.
2: Welcome. Thank you for having me. Oh, thanks for being here. Well,
0: we've known you for a long time. That's I think right. about all those
1: Midwest shows, oh, right. the uh-huh. Code Mash and Code Stock, yep. and that's yep. your area, right? It sure you, you're is. You were at all of them. It sure yeah. is.
2: Yeah, yeah it keeps, keeps me busy.
1: And now you're in Norway. How did that
2: happen? <laughs> I'm having a lot of fun right now, building some cool stuff, and then go on out and talking about it. That's so awesome. So I'm here uh, talking about my lie detection project, which is super fun. Installed. I want to
0: hear all about it. Oh yeah. my goodness!
2: Okay, so how this got started is I have a headset from a company called Emotive it's oh called the yes. Epoch Plus. Yeah, love it. Yes, yes. Isn't it awesome? Isn't <laughs> it great?
0: I have the new one, but you have I'm the Insight. Yes.
2: All right, awesome.
0: So you have the older one I that have, looks like an octopus I do have the
2: older one that looks like an octopus, but the older octopus, the Epoch Plus, has 14 channels of data, and the newer one only has five. Right. So I just I was optimizing for getting more data. Yeah. Um, cool. But the Insight one is really cool, too, because it's, it's more in the wearables category. It's more comfortable, and the sensors a are, are a little bit more, they're more like gummy bears and right. can fit on your head easier. The one I have has wet sensors. We have to put saline, saline solution on, on it and, and screw it in, but it's a wet kind of sensor pad. I was um, kind
0: of annoyed that they didn't have a dot .NET library. Yeah. You have to like yep. go through your phone or mm-hmm. Android or uh, yeah. iOS. That's a problem. Yeah. Well,
2: what I'm doing is I'm using the raw EEG. So they do have a developer SDK as well, but they have, if you pay a little extra, you can get access to all of the raw EEG signals. Right. Mm. And so I just was so much fun. So many cool things you could do with machine learning and, and brainwave. Oh, yeah. So like I was, I had a, a million ideas. And then the one I decided to start with was taking the headset and I put it on my husband. Yeah. And I asked him a series of questions. Oh. And first. <laughs> I had him tell me the truth, and then I had him lie to me. And yeah. so what that gave me is a labeled data set of, here's what your brainwaves look like That's when you're telling great. the truth. Here's what it looks like when you're lying. They were simple yes, no questions. And I'll talk a little bit more about them.
0: And the data yep. was remarkably different, right?
2: The data was, yep, yep. Ugh. You can use machine learning to very, dude, I did what any girl would do sure. and built a classifier to read his brainwaves and see if he's That's lying, fair. right? Have you
0: ever cheated on me? Yeah, exactly. Do you have an Ashley
2: Madison account? Yes or no? <laughs>
0: yeah. So awesome.
2: Yeah. <laughs> such a
0: geek thing to do but I love
2: it, I love it. Uh, here put
1: this on here put this <laughs> on we're gonna have a conversation yeah
2: uh-huh. uh, well he's very well compensated for his nah, participation trust me trust yeah. me <laughs> um, but, it, but it's been a lot of fun so I took these brainwaves and I, I started using um, Azure Machine Learning because it's it's great I grabbed all the data and then there's some data cleaning you can do and I had to annotate it by like okay here's all the data when he was telling the truth and then I had to annotate that with like a true column added that stuff extra and I did another a little bit um, extra pre-processing. Like, for example, the Epoch Plus uh, that Emotive makes puts the the seconds and the milliseconds in a separate column. Okay. So I took those and combined them into one column to make it easier to do math with. Sure. Just doing seconds times a thousand plus milliseconds, right? To put it together. And um, and a few other uh, data cleaning things. It also gives you a reading on how strong the signal strength is from each of the nodes. So you can look at the sensors against your head and make sure all of them are kind of reading at full signal strength. And so a little data cleaning around that.
1: So you get a sense of, am I getting good data or not?
2: Exactly. Exactly. So then took that and took the truth and the lie stuff and fed it in there. And Azure Machine Learning is like really, really cool. Like for a V1 product, they did an amazing job. It's all browser-based, so you don't have to right. download a bunch of SDKs or anything like that. But you can go to your browser and then they have a whole bunch of modules that are based on the algorithms that Microsoft Research uses mm-hmm. to do machine learning and across all of our products. When you think about Microsoft is no stranger to big data. No, if you've ever had no. a, a blue screen of death and yeah. get that little, do you want to send this data back to Microsoft yeah, You know yeah. thing, yeah. You, there's, uh, and
0: at that point everybody's like, heck no. <laughs>
2: well, people do. I've I've yeah. queried uh, that yeah. database. You, it's, it's big.
0: Um, it's wow. it
2: is, it is. But all of that telemetry data that we get from like Office and Windows, like that's huge. And then when you think about like the whole Xbox live infrastructure yeah. and managing all of that and making sure like people try to hack that all the time, right? Because sure. everyone wants more gamer points. So those kind of things and like essentially the copy of the internet that we have for Bing, like we're not stranger to big data and sure. machine learning, right? We've been doing this this kind of stuff for a long time. And so these like time tested algorithms are actually like for use for people out of the box, which is really cool. And so you go to this browser-based thing, and then there's all these little modules, and you can basically just drag and drop these modules and wire up a data flow. And it's great, because even if you're a data scientist and you're doing this stuff all the time, mm-hmm. I think of it as like a rapid application prototyping tool, sure. right? Where you can really easily... Very like VB,
1: drag yeah, and drop well, Yeah, well, it is, it is
2: in that sense. And one of the things that I've asked the team for is, like, can we have a code interface to this as well, <laughs> then just drag and drop. But for right now it is drag and drop, just when you're creating the model. Now, when you actually call the Model after it's up and running, that's done using whatever code you want. Actually, because it's you're just calling a REST endpoint. So, and they give you sample code in three languages in C sharp and in R and in Python. Wow. And then yeah, so it's really easy out of the box. And then you can write. They give you really nice ac- documentation as well. So, I mean, every language has a REST library. So.
0: So is your data set for yes and no? Like this is yes, this is no. Yes. Did you just have your husband's data, or is that all you needed, or did you need to get a bigger sample of people?
2: Great question. 10 points to Gryffindor. <laughs> <laughs> so what I did is I started with my husband just to kind of prototype and see how well it would work. And so I tried that out and I got very, very high accuracy numbers. Like I could predict with, I want to say like 92% accuracy or something your like husband. that. On On my husband, okay. right? And this was all like training within a single session mm-hmm. where I took some of the data, held back some, and then saw like how well could I do it there if I train the model with 70% of the data say and then send in the other 30%, how well could it do? And it was very, very high accuracy numbers. And so there's some other... Other things to think about, like various other forces that could be at play there, because if it's within a single session, and I have some of that in the training data, that makes it a much easier problem to solve, right? right. Than if mm. I'm, because his brainwaves might look very different if he's just woke up and hasn't had his coffee yet, versus right. the middle of the day, versus mm. drunk or very tired or other mental states. Yeah.
1: So you was, don't know what the, all the parameters were during the time that you were collecting that exactly, data that one Exactly.
2: one that's exactly where I went next, is after these kind of initial findings seemed to go very well, I wanted to see, okay, can I expand this work and make it work well across accuracy. lots of people? Exactly. Right. Both improving the accuracy and then making sure it can uh, extra- more generic. Yeah, yeah, normalize across lots of different people and their their different brainwaves. Because mm-hmm. uh, my husband, uh, my brainwaves might spike at, you know, 24 and my husband's might spike at like three. So now you
0: said with this just... just <laughs> oh, come he-
2: on. There was a husband intelligence. Oh, that's great. I, I, I very, was, to tell you the truth, yeah. I was thinking my question. <laughs> yeah. I
0: didn't even get that. T- I'm sorry. <laughs> My husband
2: has a PhD. He's very smart. And oh, I think okay. I pick on him so much in these talks. All right. The poor <laughs> guy. a poor guy. All right.
0: So when you had this, you said it was 90-something percent accuracy? Or yeah. It was just... His data set and then compared to his. This lies. is th- that was
2: the initial one, yeah. So that was the initial one. Something, it was, what did you it was, say? N- I, it, you know what? You probably shouldn't. Let me verify this after the show, but I want to say it was like 92% accuracy, All right, something so like damn that. Good. It was pretty damn good. So,
0: my next question is though, and you, let's put this on the stack for a second. If you have a criminal and you want to do a lie detector on them, wouldn't yeah. you ask them an obviously true question and an obviously false question and then just use that data? And get ninety-two percent accuracy with a- them.
2: Absolutely, that's how polygraphs work. They yeah. do um, control questions like that, where right. there's known right and wrong answers. And so, yeah. do they, you have they, wings? They, exactly. They they do these things to kind of test your mental state. However, one of the reasons why I was excited about this work is that there's a lot of people who kind of poo-poo the whole polygraph system. Yeah. Right. Yeah. There's ways of getting past right. it because what it's really measuring is your emotional state. Right. Yeah. So kind of how keyed up you are. You, when you lie, you get a little more tense and aggravated. But people can kind of, you've, you, I'm sure you guys have yeah, seen yeah. all the same CSI Miami yeah. and the same TV shows I have, where you can do things like step on a tack or whatever, or have a tack in your shoe it and then when directs. you're telling the truth, you step on the tack and then that also makes you more aggravated, which mm. looks like a lie, so that way you have a consistent state and it looks like you're always telling the truth, if you can do that at the right time. So there's ways of kind of beating a polygraph, and government agents and such are trained in these things, and so what I wanted to do is EEG, it's much harder to fake that, right, mm-hmm. into your mental state, so I was thinking that's kind of one of the things that got me excited about this project, and I'm by no means a neuroscientist, so I don't make any claims to that, but um, I do have a master's in machine learning, and I had like a course or two on, on the brain and how it worked in college. And when you tell the truth, that activates the recall centers in your brain. And when you lie, that can, you know, activate the the creative centers in your brain. And Mm. so I was thinking, if I have this headset with these 14 pointers in different places on my head, could I differentiate? Like, it seems like that should be doable, right? Different parts of your
1: brain involved in lying versus telling the truth.
2: Exactly, exactly. So how well would that work? So I I got a list of questions for my husband and kind of started the work that way and and got the initial prototype with Mm -hmm. the accuracy. And so what I'm doing now, this is still a work in progress, so now what I'm doing is collecting data across lots of people and seeing if I can get high accuracy yeah. in that state. And I'm still a work in progress where I'm grabbing a bunch of random people and saying, hey, can I put this headset right. on you and ask you a bunch We're of questions? make your hair a bit goopy. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's not goopy, though. That's no? the thing it's that's nice about that one. Saline. It's just wet. It's just saline solution okay. and like a little felt pad. So you just wet the felt pad and it rests against your scalp. So yeah, no, the Emotive one is very good. That's it's the device good. I use. Yeah, it's a female-founded company. Woohoo! <laughs> um, and so I love support. That. Tan Lee. Tan Lee, She's way to awesome. go! You know your stuff, yep. I have, yep. A,
0: I have both of them, and I did yeah. the first, you know, the training where you say you think, push away, yes. and the finger's way. So
2: that I, I
0: mean, and all you really have to do is just train it on any thought, yep, and yep. then it will tell you what you're thinking about. Yeah, and so and it's got a .NET C sharp, right
2: exactly. So what Carl is talking about is that there's a tool, some software that comes with the emotive headsets and what you can do with that is they have a little cube. It's a visualization of a cube floating in space. And what you can do is actually train it by first giving it a neutral brain state reading where, you know, I just kind of go to my happy place, all zen and thinking about nothing in particular for 8 seconds it takes to train. And then you do a second training where let's say I wanted to pull the cube. So you can select pull and there's a, a various motions you can do with the cube. But let's say I, ch- I choose I want to pull the cube and then basically you can just think pull in your mind for eight seconds and then it's mapping that pattern and of those brain waves of here's what my brain looks like when i'm thinking pull and then the cube is live and so then you can just repeat that pull thought and the cube is then mapped to that and actually moves towards you it's I a very I've interesting the, the ted
1: video yeah on this like yes the theory you get up to like 16 different behaviors mm-hmm.
2: yep you probably have it was put out in 2010 by a while by yeah Tanley. yep but it, no it's amazing It's It's great stuff.
1: Very interesting. Yeah. So to take that data and try and generalize it all, I mean, could you see patterns in it yourself?
2: I could not. Right. Uh, just looking at it with the kind of the naked eye, the numbers are all like in the 4,000s approximately and it wasn't something that kind of jumped out at Nothing me. Nothing jumped all out at once. you. Yeah. Using yeah.
1: the tools, actually. Yeah. So, and it's just an example of a, of a supervised algorithm? Yes, it is. Okay. Um, so
2: I, what I was doing is supervised machine learning and the way supervised machine learning works is that you need a data set to train on, a labeled data set where basically I have all this, here's all this EEG and then here's the label. False. Yep, and then yeah. it needs to be a labeled data set exactly like you say where I have true and false and what supervised machine learning algorithms can do is they can find the correlations between some features which are the things that predict or the things that influence the prediction and then that label which would be in our my case truth or lie and then supervised machine learning algorithms just use crazy beautiful math to find the correlations between those features and mm. that label. Mm. So if we use an example like predicting the cost of a home mm-hmm. there's probably a lot of features like number of bedrooms, number of bathrooms, zip code because as mm-hmm. we know like mm-hmm. a house. In Detroit, where I'm from, is very, very different than the same square footage house in, say, San Francisco. Right. Those are kind of like the two extremes, yeah, and then there's like normals th- in the middle. Hey. <laughs> <laughs> what, about kin- what about Connecticut? <laughs> you know? Come on. Uh, 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 so uh, that's what supervised machine learning can do. Is then it? it uses that and it's different kinds of crazy, beautiful math depending on what algorithm you use, I love like that decision crazy, trees. Beautiful math. Yeah. Yeah, it is. Uh, it I'm going
0: to start using that. And, it, yeah. and There's a ton it's, of supervised algorithms. There
2: are everything from decision trees. There's just simple. If you get lucky in real life, you don't get lucky all the time because uh, real life data is very messy but sometimes some linear algorithms work things like right. a logistic regression and things like that are very powerful and then you can do things like decision trees or a Bayesian or a neural nets or there's a whole and This a whole is where thing. your
0: sort of instinct comes in. Which one do you use for what problems? Do yes. you, you tend to like try them all on known results to see which ones do the best?
2: Great question. So one resource I'd like to recommend to people is the Azure Machine Learning Cheat Sheet. Awesome. Um, that is a great, great resource that wonderful colleague Brandon put out that he created he's on the Azure Machine Learning team and it's a great like uh, flow chart of sorts that tells for this particular problem I'm trying to solve what should I do and it that's tells great. you declaratively what each algorithm is good at for example support vector missing, machines that's yeah. the missing
0: sauce isn't it, it I is. mean, because that's it what really takes is. the experience and expertise yeah. to figure out yeah that's wonderful
2: yeah I'm sorry I was just saying support vector machines yeah. are, are really good when you have a lot of features like over a hundred features and such uh, SVMs okay. do really well with that and other things to think about, too, like whether you want to update your data frequently, because some algorithms work in batch mode, where basically you need to take all of the data all over again and like pre-process all of it, and some lets you kind of add things incrementally. So there's different algorithms shine in different areas, but there's a lot of great resources that help you do that. But there is some art to data science, yeah. like in your original question. like I do typically try several algorithms out just based on the data and, and try a couple different ones and see which one works well. And there's great tools within Azure Machine Learning. There's this Evaluate module that allows you to evaluate and compare side by side and get a nice diagram wow. of how each of them is performing. Which he's really
1: applying an algorithm to a set of algorithms to say you know, sort <laughs> of which are the best results.
2: We're getting so meta here. One thing here. Seth yeah.
0: said that stuck with me is once you find out what it is that you want to know, and the questions that you want to ask, the rest is easy.
2: Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And honestly... But that's
0: where people fail, though, isn't it? Yeah, they don't yeah. ask the right questions or they right. don't know what they're looking for.
2: Yeah. Seth brings up a great point. I think knowing what you're looking for is part of the problem and the algorithms are actually the easy part. That's not hard because even if you want to use in a practical application, there are a ton of machine learning libraries and such out there already, too. But the other hard part, too, is just data. Getting the right data and cleaning the data Clean and putting it. the data in the right format. Like, seriously, I think any machine learning... Project that, that folks work on, just data massaging takes up a, a huge amount of time. And, yeah,
0: more
1: you know, than we want to think about, actually.
2: Exactly. And,
0: and are you like writing programs to massage data? Just writing simple programs to read and write and remove stuff yeah. that has particular.
2: We certainly can. I certainly could. Right now in Azure Machine Learning, there are modules that do stuff like that. So mm. there's things like delete missing rows and remove duplicates, remove duplicates and all kinds of other typical data cleaning that things that you might want to do. But there's a whole section on like data transformation operations. And a lot of great stuff that you'd want to do in machine learning, like splitting the data into training and test sets, and mm. all sorts of stuff like that. So we have a lot of when you a lot of do data
1: stuff. cleaning like that. Is it sort of permanent, or is it? Do you keep a vector set? I'm just thinking from the point of view of stuff like data lakes, which yeah. supposedly we're supposed to keep data as is yeah. stored in the lake. But then if you go through a cleaning, you're sort of altering the source data to do that.
2: Yeah. So no, the way. So let me answer for Azure Machine Learning first, and then we can sure. talk about generic if you'd like to. But in Azure ML, uh, the data gets pulled into Azure ML specifically. So it's kind of ingested that way. And so then it's just making changes to that local copy where I might want to, you know, remove some columns. Yeah, yeah. yeah, You can leave the original untouched if you desire. So it's all kind of within that space that it gets changed. It has its own little blob storage that it's using as underlying storage.
0: So
1: so it only grabs it at the time and you can do
2: whatever you want to. Right, so it's not modifying your source data.
0: So where is your light detector thing being used, if ever?
2: (laughs) Well, there's actually, uh, besides the fun stuff with my husband. It was really funny because I just finished the initial prototype. And right. I want to say within the next two weeks or something, my team was all getting together for an offsite. And as you know, I work on a distributed team. So right, yeah. I live in Michigan and my current manager lives in uh, Minnesota. And so I haven't seen him for a while. And I'm like, oh, I'm making great progress on this this thing I've been working on. Hey, do you mind if I put something on your head?
1: <laughs> so, uh, so, everybody bumps into you now. Huh? Know, it's like, hey, I we're going to put this on there.
2: So I took it and put it on my manager and, you know, asked a bunch of base questions to get right. to make a classifier that was specific to his brainwaves. And then I asked him a couple of questions just for fun. Oh, no. Like, am I going to get a promotion this year? <laughs> 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 and um, according to my classifier that I built on his brainwaves, because, of course, I ran right back to my hotel room that mm. night and like, right. built a An- classifier brainwaves. Mm-hmm. Somebody
1: wanted to know the answer.
2: Exactly. Why would you not? So what I did then was, what the, the results that it gave me is that I will be getting a promotion this year. So I'll let you guys know in like a a month or so if that that actually works out for me. Uh, Since we do that at the the end of June, we should know. So yeah. That's That's pretty cool.
0: Hey, Richard. Yeah, buddy. Guess what time it is.
1: I must be that happy time again.
0: Yeah, it's time to announce that the joke on the last show got approximately 92% belly laugh response. In other words, 92% of the listeners laughed out loud when they heard it.
2: My algorithm says that's bullshit. (laughs)
0: Oh, yeah. Maybe it was 9.2. I don't know. It's actually time to give away a experience subscription from Developer Express to one lucky member of the .NET Rocks fan club. But first, become a UI superhero with DevExpress UI controls and libraries and deliver elegant .NET solutions that address customer needs today and leverage your existing knowledge to build next-generation, touch-enabled solutions for tomorrow whether it's an office inspired application or a data centric analytics dashboard DevExpress Universal ships with everything you'll need to build your best without limits or compromise learn more and download your free 30 day trial at devexpress.com/superhero all right buddy who's our winner Today's winner is a friend of ours, an old old listener of the show. I recognize his name, Wayne Blackman. Oh, wow. Congratulations, Wayne. Yeah,
1: congratulations.
0: Clap a clap for you, sir. Yeah, absolutely. And Wayne just won the De-Experience subscription, a big pile of awesome from Developer Express. And if you don't know what we're doing here, go to com. click on the big Get Free Stuff button, answer a few questions, and join the Rocks fan club. We have thousands of members all over the world, and every show we like to give away stuff from our sponsors. And every December we give away a $5,000 technology shopping spree to one lucky member of the .NET Rocks fan club, but you have to sign up to win. And now we like to ask our guest, Jennifer, if you had $5,000 to spend on technology right now, Mm -hmm. what would you buy?
2: Ooh, that's an interesting question. I would buy... Probably I'd have to do a Hololens first. Hey, I know. You want a Hololens right back to, there? Yep, <laughs> yep. In that it's, box right there. Yeah, <laughs> I've used them. They're great, right? They're, yeah. They're fun. They're fun. So a Hololens is is always good. Yep. But that's three thousand yep. right there. Yep. So with the rest, I wouldn't mind buying the other emotive headset or having a backup. So oh, yeah, probably yeah. some headsets a too. Yep. Exactly. And then the the one thing that I would love on, on the machine learning topic is so my favorite thing in the Internet of Things. Is a connected Refrigerator like, You want the I, fridge I want this So badly <laughs> guys, so look at this. this is Okay So here's I'm so the,
0: disappointed here, In you Jennifer.
2: Stop Let me tell you Exactly I why this so is cool <laughs> Here's the thing Here's the thing <sighs> here's the thing. So I have this constant problem of I work full time, right? A pretty sure. demanding job at Microsoft. And I'm traveling a lot and stuff like that. And there are some times when it's the end of the day and I have to get dinner on the table and I'm like, what what's, you know, in, the what's, fridge? what's in the fridge? Yeah. Right. And I feel like we have all the technology. Like this should not be a hard problem. Totally this is agreeing. a solvable problem. Number one, you could use just image recognition to find out what's in your yep. fridge. UPC or codes. number two, yeah, as you just use the same UPC codes that you use when yep. you're checking out at the grocery store so that infrastructure is already set up. You so use you that to, to put in there. Your
0: bacon before you put it away in the fridge maybe no, you, yeah. I'd
2: rather use vision technology but maybe when the when there's things a couple things that aren't recognized then you use fall back to UPC so right, right we solved that problem Scan's pretty okay. Easy. so now the refrigerator knows exactly what's in there so number one I want it, the intelligence for it to make my grocery list for me over time it's pretty easy to figure why out not my patterns just send my vendor patterns. why not
0: just send a, a request to Peapod to, yeah. to send yep. your groceries yep. to you when and,
2: you need yep I want it to do really? that Yeah, yep yes. wow yeah I mean I'd probably use you, I usually you, use so Amazon so you don't
0: like shopping I, and cooking
2: I love cooking yeah. But I have three small children. Do you remember what it was like to have three small children and no and no wife (laughs) (laughs) when when it's me doing it and not okay? It almost could
1: that. What you really want is the system to be making meal suggestions for you on the way home.
2: Right. Like and that's the other thing is I want when it's the end of the day, I also want it to be able to say, OK, with the food that I have currently available in my refrigerator, what can I make? Right. That's like a nutritious dinner. But, you know,
1: if you stopped hmm. off at the Piggly Wiggly and mm-hmm. bought these three things, mm-hmm. you can do this. Right. You know, that's the thing. Yep. Like, these suggestions. But, well, the number of exactly. times I've gotten to the fridge mm-hmm. and said, oh, I could make, I'm missing one ingredient. Yes. Right? Yes, yes, so yes. so the idea that the, there'd be a system that knows enough to hmm. say, if you make a stop and pick up these few yeah. things on your way home, right. you can, you know, this meal is now feasible.
2: And I feel like we have that system too. We have Cortana we or have Siri or pieces. Alexa I'm or totally whatever. So you. just have my assistant tell me on the way hmm. home. We have, all of, we have
1: all,
0: all of the pieces. All of the pieces are there. So where is my... for really knowing what's in your fridge because that is a hard problem. It is a yeah.
2: It is a hard problem, but I think between like the computer vision that we have is actually getting fairly good. Have you guys looked at the cognitive services? Yeah. Now,
0: this is a really good question because Believe it or not, I have a client right now, and they're a major U.S. corporation that wants to build an app with Hololens. Uh, okay. And part of what they want to do is recognize their products uh-huh. in your world.
2: Okay. Yeah. And then yeah.
0: release things and do things, and give you coupons or whatever if right. you actually, if they actually see their products in your world. Yeah. And so the, I've thought about using cognitive services yes, for this.
2: Yes, yes, I think that's a great place to work. But, so, how,
0: but how, I guess my question about cognitive services is how specific can it get? Because I know something can say, oh, and I'm just going to pick, oh, yeah. I see that there's a, a bottle
2: yeah. or a can
0: of something, yes. but I don't know exactly what it is.
2: Alright, so two points. Um, number one, um, so we did do something very similar. You may have seen on Howell.net uh, with right. the, the website that predicts your age and uh, mm. your gender and, and can do facial detection and such. That website um, had the ability, if you had a, a Coke in the product, we did this partnership with Coke where it would recognize Coke on its, on its 100th birthday, mm. so it would recognize any instances of the Coke logo in there mm-hmm. and then it would pop up the age of 100, it's 100 years old, to celebrate you know the 100th anniversary of coke so it can be done. There was mm-hmm. a there's a prototype that proves it right there. Um, so that's one thing to look at. The second thing is cognitive services does have computer vision APIs. Right now, right. they're being trained on more generic things like that's an apple, that's a mountain, that's a teddy bear. So, but there are a million people asking us about exactly that is is recognition of, of company logos essentially. Yeah, and can and,
0: I supply you? Uh, right. Yeah.
2: So currently at the if the moment, if you wanted to do that, you would need to use like Azure machine learning and, and build it yourself. but with the number of people asking us for that functionality, who knows, there may yeah. be something in cognitive services soon.
0: Oh, I love this. Who knows? I who love knows? my job,
1: Richard. But it's just yeah. sort of a spooky term, cognitive services. Uh,
2: well, I think it's a lot of cool kind of artificial intelligence it's type great. things. Yeah. It's computer vision. It's detecting emotion. It's facial detection. Yeah. Um, there's some amazing text analytics in there. Yeah. Um, I actually did a project about, we called it, this is somewhat loftier really than it probably really is, but we called it the unconscious bias app. And really what I was doing is uh, kind of two cool pieces of technology. Um, what I wanted to do is, so we, we have this awareness of um, cognitive, or I'm sorry, unconscious bias right now, and are we unconsciously treating people different because of prejudices that you might have? Right. And just, just, just having an awareness of how you treat other people, and you know the saying, you know, in God I trust all others bring data, I started thinking, <laughs> how, how, yes, great. <laughs> how? How would I decide? Use data to figure out am I being you know mean and so or not mean, but am I treating pe- some people differently than others? And so what we built was there's an interface where you can put in an email address, and then I use the power of the Microsoft Graph to go in, parse your email, and grab all the emails from a, that two that you send to that particular user, and only the unique part of the user. So if it's a long thread, it'll only grab the the latest thing that I sent to them, and not the whole thing. The and mix it up exactly, and then I take that data and I send that to Microsoft ourselves cognitive services, specifically the text analytics API, which does sentiment analysis. And it gives you a number back between zero and one, where one is a very positive, and zero is very negative. So then, what the application does is it actually, I put in an email address, and it gives me back a score, I make it a percentage from zero to 100% of here's how positive your interactions are with this given person, and uh, a chart of here's what your sentiment looks like for this person over time. (laughs) So it's really cool. I mean, it's just a really cool tool you can use, especially if you're struggling at work a little maybe going through a divorce and you're like oh my gosh have i been through or my kids are sick or whatever and you're just looking at okay am i have i been kind of let me see what my positivity has been like over the last sure. couple of weeks or something it's a really interesting to cognitive well, bias
1: exists in a lot of things i'm a firm believer in this idea that you make a decision to buy you know in a fraction of a second and then you spend the next 20 minutes justifying, justifying it yep. Yeah. Like yep you've actually that's true. already decided to buy and yeah. now it's you're building up the explanation to the world Right. Yeah. of why yeah. you actually or made your that spouse bomb. at least. It's, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's true. It's true. It's true.
2: Well, the code is all available on GitHub. We stuck it on GitHub, and I have a blog post on it on my blog as well. Sure. So you're welcome to read a little more. And there's uh, screenshots and all that stuff on my blog mm-hmm. to check it out if you're if you're so interested. I did
0: some work with the bot framework after yes! build.
2: Yes, isn't and, it great?
0: And that uses uh, lets you use a cognitive service to parse. Right. That's.: Lewis. Yep. Yeah. It Lewis. Uses Lewis.
2: The language understanding and intelligence service. So tell us a little bit about Lewis. So Lewis is amazing, especially in the context of the bot framework. So what Lewis gives you is the ability to specify. Loads. So let's say I have a task I want to do. Like I want my personal assistant to book me a flight on an airplane. And so mm. there's a couple of pieces of information you need. You need kind of the, the destination and the the source of where the plane is starting yeah. and where you want it to fly to. You need um the date. The dates that you want to happen, and a couple other things, and so what you you might
0: write uh, a a uh, function that takes from to date, blah blah blah. Exactly, exactly. So you take those pieces of data, right?
2: And then what Lewis allows you to do is to in natural language express, you know, what those things might look like. So you can give it a number of examples, like please book me a flight from Boston to Detroit on the state, or, you know, those kind of things. And yeah. then it, you can teach it, okay, this is the destination uh, piece of this, and right. this is that. And you give it, you know, a certain give number as, of examples. as many
0: permutations as you can say. Exactly. Think of. Yeah. So,
2: like, book me, so you can say it in a lot of different ways, and then mm. um, it can learn from that and extract uh, the right pieces and be able to insert them into those slots of here's my destination, here's my thing. And then the other thing that's really cool is after you give it a little bit of data and it trains if there's any uh, new examples that come in that it doesn't recognize, it makes those available to you and then you can say, oh, okay, for this new example I saw, this should go here, this should go in this slot and then you get this really simple ability to, to have it learn that and based on that and then that, that's a new thing in it's training and it, it performs improve, even better. Right. So yes. there's
0: other interesting problems in there mm-hmm. like people who have English as a second language yeah. may tend to leave off plurals or they might leave off articles, articles yeah. or things
2: yeah. like that. Yep. No, yeah. ab- absolutely. And so just kind of Learning and getting those good examples across the thing is, mm. is very very useful. I found so, it
0: extremely fascinating to use tonight. Oh, I think it's because I great. saw the cognitive services announced at build and they're free, right? Or so right for right start. now, yeah, yeah, free to
2: start right now. They're all f- kind of in preview right now, and the, it'll be offered as a as a service um, through Azure at a later at some point. point.
1: So back at the lie detector, mm-hmm. I mean, there's all these other pieces that are coming into play with it as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, can you talk, what algorithm worked for you? You know, we did a show a while mm. back um, with Anthony Goldblum. We talked about Kaggle. Oh, I
2: love what Kaggle. A cool side is not huh? Kaggle the best. But the yeah.
1: conversation we had with him, he said, you know, sort of two algorithms emerged uh-huh. as kind of the the successful approaches, and one of them was the the recurrent neural network.
2: Yes, as yes. a
1: very different approach from these these pruning trees approach, yeah. the, the, the the gradient tree approach. Mm-hmm. It, I just thought it was fascinating Out of all these algorithms sort of came down to yeah these yeah. two completely different approaches to solving a problem.
2: Right, right. No, that's that's a great point. And anyone who doesn't know what Kaggle is, you should go check it out. It's this amazing thing if you want to learn more about machine learning. It's uh, K-A-G-G-L-E dot com. Yes. But they give you this great competition site so that way you have the ability. They give you kind of well-defined problems to solve and then the data to solve them with. So it's a great way to learn more about machine learning and, right. in, a, in a fun way. And I love how, how
1: all the data um, scientists there are just sharing their results.
2: Yes, yes. Like yeah. how no, they it's built it's a and, great and community. because they're
0: competing there always upping yeah, each, each other. No, it's quality. a great yeah. community.
2: It's a great community. So let me go back and answer your yeah. actual question. <laughs> so what, you mentioned both decision trees and uh, neural recurrent nets. neural nets. Yeah. And it's really funny that you mentioned those two because those are actually the ones that were most accurate or, or best for me. Exactly. Wow. Those yeah. two out of all the algorithms there are. So decision trees, so the, the, what I was using or one of the first ones I did were some ensembles of decision trees right. essentially. Um, and when you look at the, who's winning those Kaggle competitions to you, a lot of times it's, it is ensembling. It's using different, um, different, Algorithms together Stacking, tend to get yeah, the best. Th- that was that yeah sort of results. gradient
1: boosting where yeah. it, it gets like 80% well, and you, but then and you then apply you a variation things. on the 20 and, yes, and yes. so forth.
2: Yep, that's an, a great way to do it. So mm-hmm. yes. So anyway, so in my earliest work, like the, the 92% accuracy one, that one was actually done using decision trees or ensembles of decision trees. Right. And then for the normalization across everyone, I think what I'm predicting is going to work best for that is some kind of deep learning, like right. you suggested. And the reason for that is Mm. when you think about all the problems we've solved just in like the last five years with the deep learning. It's deep learning that's actually been most effective there. So things like speech recognition and automatic vision image detection, those yeah, kind of right. things. It's deep learning that's actually solving those problems. And when you think about it, this brainwave thing is very similar to the problem of speech recognition, yeah, right? Because that, right? it's waves, right? Yeah. It's waves where I have waves and some of it, there's extraneous stuff on either side, but I need to parse out yeah. the right waves and we're all different, right? Because your voice is different than mm-hmm. my voice. I mean, even just processing the video, you probably see sure, the things sure. and men's voices are different because they're women's voices are higher and yep. so all kinds of just interesting stuff so there's going to be variation but it's all we're saying the same words so how can you tell between things so it's, it's essentially very 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 similar problem yeah, yeah, right. and, and deep learning has solved um, the problem of speech just recognition it's like the idea so that you're
1: taking neural data and using mm-hmm. a neural net to analyze it
2: yes <laughs> no I mean why wouldn't of course that would be effective right that's yeah. that's what it was you based would think. on okay. one, would think, one would think so I think um, when I get more data so the, the problem is with, with deep learning you do need just a ton of data yeah. and yeah. I don't have enough data data yet to use that approach. But that is my plan is to apply that. And there's a deep learning toolkit by Microsoft called the CNTK. And that um, toolkit is, is great for deep learning. And so I plan to try that out as well on this, as well as trying just a different couple other things as well. But so, that's one of the things on my list to try.
0: So there's a big data set at Microsoft, and that's Bing queries.
2: Yes. And I <gasps> just
0: found Brian McKay from, uh, he's one of the Next guys, just sent me this New York Times article. And I want to read it to you. It just came out yesterday. Microsoft finds cancer clues in search queries. Yes. Microsoft scientists have demonstrated that by analyzing large samples of search engine queries, they may in some cases be able to identify Internet users who are suffering from pancreatic cancer even before they have received a diagnosis wow. of the disease.
2: Isn't it amazing? It seems so, so strange.
0: But it's so simple and obvious at right. the same time. Yes,
2: yes. So when you think about it, if you have data coming from all over the world, so let's use a simpler problem of like, just where's the flu going to spread? Because you know, like getting yeah. flu vaccines to the right place at the right time yeah. is a huge problem for the medical industry. And so even something as simple as there's a whole bunch of people in Michigan right now searching about flu symptoms. Because I I know when I get sick, the first thing that I do so is like, <laughs> I go online and I search for my symptoms, and I say, "How you know what does it look like? I have do I should I bother going to the doctor for this? Those kind of things." And so, if you get a whole bunch of people searching for symptoms in the same area, you can tell, okay, everyone is yeah, everybody's searching for flu symptoms in this area. There's definitely flu there. So there's a lot of really neat things you can extract with search engine data. And I actually just released a video series where I interviewed the Bing Predicts team. I don't know if you're familiar with their work, but they do a ton of this stuff where they're analyzing Bing search data in addition to like social data they pull in some social stuff from twitter and facebook and other stuff to predict to make amazing predictions so they do it in the areas of reality tv award shows sports or sporting games and matches and political elections so it's really really cool because they all have their own little things they started with reality tv so like who's going to get voted off of american idol next and i mean that's pretty easy right because it's a popularity contest so if a lot of people are searching for one particular person you can tell that they have a a large fan base and then next they kind of went into other things like award shows and those are a little harder. Like the, the fun thing about award shows is that they have the problem of, it's not decided by the general public. A lot of times it's a committee of, mm. like for the Academy Awards, for example, it's mm-hmm. a, um, a committee of film critics that, yeah. that right. actually make the decision and the Maybe, Grammys on for music. Yeah, but. they are
1: filtered sets, Exactly.
2: Right? So how do I predict what those people think? Because that demographic too, especially if it's an older veteran of the film industry, that might be a different than the demographic who's talking on Twitter. Right. So would, would Twitter, like that could actually be a distraction. Like what right. Twitter is saying could it be could different be than that. a lot of noise. Right, so figuring just the, all the cool work around that. Wow. And then there's stuff with the election is, mm. is amazing. And, and that is a fun problem too because you need to have some sentiment analysis. Because if I'm searching, for example, for Donald Trump, is that because I support him or is that uh, because yeah. I want to look for funny videos of him <laughs> saying ridiculous things, <laughs> That's right? right? So yeah. there's all kinds of things to think about there. And then the sporting matches, that one is the interesting stuff because all the other ones kind of make sense, right? They're, they're popularity mm. contests or there's some aspect of majority rules there. But sporting events, right? That's even harder. So I'm a big fan of the University of Michigan Wolverines but if I search for the Wolverines that doesn't mean that they're going to win right Like, where the heck is the correlation but what they can do is they actually get a 5% increase in their accuracy numbers versus like all the other things that they do like the typical like Vegas things to predict outcomes of games Mm. but they get a 5% boost from that by using social data and it's partially just that wisdom of the crowd thing so think about like if if I asked everybody here to estimate the temperature in Oslo today Mm. some people would estimate over some people would estimate under Mm -hmm. but the whole crowd together would actually do a fairly accurate estimation right. just because the wisdom law. of the crowd. Yeah, yeah so exactly. Numbers. Law large of, numbers, exactly, yeah. law yeah. of large numbers. And so they can actually do some really neat stuff from the big data to more accurately predict sporting matches as well. Crazy. So it's, it is. It's great stuff. And the, the cancer is even even Isn't better. <laughs> even better uh. because that's a, one of those things. The best use of technology yeah. is when we're actually giving back and making humanity and better. The, you know,
0: there is a problem. I would really like to see the medical profession use big data to solve some of these problems of uh, diseases and Things. Oh my gosh! But the problem is that the, all that data is locked up behind legal, you know, yeah, issues. yeah. 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 rules, Hi-po. those kind Hi-po of yeah. things, rules. yeah. yeah.
2: yeah. So the Azure Trustworthy Computing site. If you are using data that has HIPAA constraints, it's all documented on there, like all right. the stuff we're doing to be HIPAA mm-hmm. compliant and that sort of thing. But I understand people. It's 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 almost it's scary like you need when a you're in new the cloud.
0: data set. It's almost like yeah. you need people to go to a website and volunteer their data. Yeah, and volunteer their record. That Facebook. Yeah, yeah. yeah <laughs> they do. Yeah, you're right. I mean, people complain about their medical yeah. conditions yeah. all the time. Yeah. No, it's true. But in a more structured data way. Yeah, yeah I'm with you. You know, yeah. because if you think about it, go to this website, put in your data and then you can do queries against the database to find out what other people are doing or what are the symptoms, yada, yada, yada. It's true, it's true. It's sort of a...
2: I agree. No, the yeah. medical the medical, medical field is, is one of the most interesting in terms of oh, machine yeah. learning and stuff, well, too. Well, it's
1: so ready for disruption, right? Like It yeah. totally. really wants oh, to get better. absolutely,
2: absolutely. But it also brings up another question around just the ethics of machine learning, and that's sure. something I think that we as right. an industry need to think about because yes. when you think about it, remember what we're doing is taking historical data and using that to make future predictions, yeah, predictive right? predictive analytics. But... If there is bias or whatever in that historical data, then even though it's a machine predicting it, that that bias is gonna gonna be be cut forward. Exactly. So there have been some cases of in Chicago, they're doing some predictive policing work. And so if there's a whole bunch of data where in the past police officers have arrested this certain demographic of person, and then so machine learning algorithms then trained on that data are going to say, hey, this certain category of person is more likely to self fulfilling prophecy. Exactly. It becomes a self fulfilling prophecy. you need to really think about okay, how is this data going to be used, and what biases are inherent in this data already? Right. Uh, because you don't want to automate racism, right? right. <laughs> there's there's, there's yes. no right, exactly. Yeah. You really have to think about these kind of things because there's some things like okay, you know, use Yelp data to recommend restaurants to me, or those kind of things where go crazy, go nuts, go nuts. But when you think about things, there's another project that I think Microsoft was actually assisting with that was predicting the success of students in school. And that's another thing where it's like, just be really careful and think about what you're doing and what the implications of that are. Because if you're saying this neighborhood don't tend to perform as well, how is that data going to be used? Are if there's things where they're trying to find exactly, exactly. And those are the things you have to be really, really cognizant of when we're using this learning. Because I think a lot of times people say, oh, it's machine learning. It's a computer, it's Smart, these results can be trusted, but your results are only as good as the data you used to train it, it also with.
1: a creepiness factor to it too, oh, yeah. as well. It was, oh, yeah. a, it was a few years ago that briefly there was an app out for the iPhone mm-hmm. that just read your GPS data. And within a few days it said, this is your home this is your work mm-hmm. this is where you like to grocery shop mm-hmm. this is your favorite gas station like, it just figured all this stuff out and the, in- the funny part was the intent of the app was to anticipate when you would want to buy more gas and yeah. tell you the best gas station to go to but it creeped people out so bad yeah. that yeah. in a matter of days it knew all this stuff about you mm-hmm. that they just pulled the app
0: it just went away have yeah. you ever read Freakonomics or listened oh, yes. to their podcast Freakonomics
2: is great isn't it it's awesome and yeah. you know
0: Stephen uh, Levitt is always talking about how economists are like amoral
1: because they're they're so cold and calculating, and
0: it's all about the numbers. Yeah, and you yep. know they've been accused of just being heartless and cold. Yeah. But, you know, that's what he does for a living sure. he looks at large pieces of data and slices them up in different ways and tries to find out what motivates people.
2: Yeah, that's the interesting part, right? Yeah. When, we, when we can build these super intelligences. Well, how- and show
1: stuff that we didn't realize about ourselves. Like, yeah. I love that yeah. you mm-hmm. couldn't see the patterns in that EEG data. Right. But when right. you fed it to the machine, it came back with this incredible rate of prediction. Right. So cool. Right. Yeah. Very interesting.
2: Thank you. I look forward to seeing how far I can take it. Yeah.
0: <laughs> so what's next for you? What's in your inbox?
2: Oh, gosh, there's so many things. So I have a couple of bots I actually want to build. I've been playing with the, um, the bot framework a lot right. myself. And I have a couple of things that are kind of on the back burner there. something that A couple of things that Microsoft Recruiting has asked me to help build something <laughs> for them that I think nice. I'm going to take on that and um i have another idea for a bot that i'm excited to get out there uh as well so some of that stuff and then just continuing along the machine learning i've been playing i want to do a little bit more stuff with the cntk i've only done like really basic demo stuff right there i'm sorry so the cntk is microsoft's deep learning toolkit yeah so it's the convoluted neural network uh uh, toolkit yeah yeah i believe so yeah it's uh, um or is it computational maybe it's computational computational, network toolkit yeah computational uh Network tool get but and it's, like it's, it's yes, yeah, so it is. It's using <laughs> convoluted neural nets. Eric can use uh, convoluted neural nets, so forgive me. <laughs> well, we could do the acronyms at Microsoft. There's too yeah, many, yeah, too yeah. many acronyms. But yeah, so but it is. It's essentially our deep learning toolkit. So just it's a fascinating space, mm. and I want to do more there. So that's one of the other things I have a couple projects teed up in that space as Great. well. So yeah, so much fun stuff with the bot framework and the CNTK yeah. and Azure Machine Learning and the Cognitive Services. There's no shortage of cool machine learning now stuff. We to play just with.
0: need more hours in the day, right,
2: Right? Oh, my gosh. i got to work on that, that Hermione's Time Turner. Ah. Somebody's right. got to get that going. Go back and
1: do that. Yeah. It's just interesting to look at all. I'm waiting to see the apps that emerge from these sets of tools, yeah. right? There's yeah. so many different combinations there. Yeah. But uh, I've yet to see a killer app. There's lots of pieces. Yeah. Come to pieces. my talk. Come to my yeah. talk on Friday, Yours dude. is amazing. <laughs> <laughs> all right.
0: Jennifer, thank you so much. It's been a whirlwind hour. It's great.
2: Thank you so much for having me. All
0: right. We'll see you next time on .NET Rocks.